you develop your skills with time if you color a lot but there is always something new to learn and that's what i love learning new things and i hope i can make my coloring better in the future Welcome to Passionista Colorista Coloring Book Podcast and this interview with Morena Vajak. Morena is 53 years old and lives together with her husband and son and hundreds and hundreds of coloring books and PDFs. She works as an English and German teacher at an elementary school, but it's the coloring hobby that are closest to her heart. I have admired her work for several years, so I was very excited to be able to talk with her when her summer vacation just had started. In this episode, we'll talk about what Morena uses when she does portraits in the coloring books, what kind of paper she likes and why black Posca is her favorite for black backgrounds. And it's also about friendship, because Morena has a lot of close friends in the coloring community. I'm Isabel Westermark, aka Passionista Colorista from Sweden, and I'm the host for this podcast. Welcome to listen and welcome to Morena. This is a time when I finally have time for my hobby. It's usually just the weekends during the school year, but when I'm on vacation, I can color every day. Except if I travel, then I then I don't color. Then I travel. <laughs> Do you have time for any other ho- hobby? Yes, I'm a gamer and I play the World of Warcraft. Ooh, yeah. That takes a lot of time too. I uh, played it a lot some years ago, so I totally know that it can takes a lot and lots of time. I don't allowed myself to game the last couple of years because I know it would just take all my time, but it's a really fun game. Yes, but you need to be very disciplined with your time or it just sweeps you away. Do you game together with your family or? Yes, we are we are gamers, all the three of us. So we sometimes play together. That's nice. And do the rest of the family colors too? No, 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 no. They have totally different interests. <laughs> but how did this coloring books thing started for you? Well, um, in June 2015, I was looking for some free coloring pages for my students at school, for the little ones, because we learned colors that year in English. And I was looking for some flower pages. You usually have those teacher sites where we share coloring pages or puzzles and such things. And I googled free coloring pages for kids. And I suddenly saw something that really drew my attention. It was Johanna Busford. <laughs> I saw one of her gorgeous pages from Secret Garden. I guess I, I couldn't believe my eyes and I opened the link and then I read about her. And then I said to myself, this is something for me. So I went to a bookshop and bought the book, Croatian edition, and that's how it all started. What did you use to color in it from start? I think it was a very, very cheap Faber-Castell set 
from the Muller shop here. I don't remember something like classic or something like that. It was for for students, students grade type of pencils. And how was the feeling when you were starting to color? Oh, I was so happy. It was such a happy feeling. (laughs) I knew something big, big was happening for me at that moment. I knew I had to do that and never give up. It practically transformed my life and I was very, very grateful to have found that. But had you any art background? I wouldn't call it art background, but my dad has always been very artistic and he used to paint a lot when he was younger. And when I was a kid, when I was a young teenager, I was uh, part of an artist group here in our town. I also participated in an exhibition with my drawings. Then when I was very busy in high school and at the university, I just forgot about it. But then later, when when was it? Some 20 years ago. Somehow I found some pastel pictures somewhere in a shop. And then I thought, why why don't I try that? And I bought some dry pastels and started painting with them. And that was very, very interesting for me. But then later I also lost interest because of the lack of space here in our small, tiny apartment. So I stopped that too. And also the dust of the dry pastels wasn't good for me. So I stopped with that. And then 2015 happened. (laughs) And was the feeling you received when you were coloring in the coloring books the same as you had before when you were doing your own drawings or paintings? Well, not entirely because you know, you, you color somebody else's illustrations. And my drawings, my, my paintings were original. And I always longed to return to that kind of creativity. So this is a hobby. And the painting part, the drawing part, I would like to make it something bigger for me. But I unfortunately don't have enough time, especially when I'm not on vacation. So... There is not enough hours in a day for everything. I think we are many people that uh, can relate to that. We need more time. Right. And our day jobs are usually, uh, they usually take away too much time and too much energy from us. Exactly. Not just the time, it's the energy level too. Yeah. When I come home from my classes from school, then I'm practically good for nothing. Mm. I can just sit there and just rest my eyes and ears. (laughs) And I need complete silence to recuperate from everything. So you said it started with Johanna Basford and those sheep pencils. What happened after that? Then Millie Marotta and her books. They were very cute. And then I discovered Hannah Carlson. And then little by little, I really broadened my horizons and realized there is a whole world out there. And everything seemed so interesting to me. And I bought everything that came out. 
at that time. So in the first two years, maybe. But then I realized that I was starting to get much more interested in a certain type of illustration, like portraits, where I could really express myself. So I focused more on that after that. How long did it take until you started to buy better equipment, mediums, pens, pencils? It started quite early, actually. I think it was late 2015, or actually that summer, 2015, when I ordered my polychromos. So then I colored only with those. But then when I saw what other people had, then I had to have more and more other pencils. And then I discovered my Prisma colors, which I still like the best. What is it about them? I don't know. Well, they have some unique colors and no other set has these colors. So I keep returning to them. There are some favorite pencils in this set that I just can't do without. I hope they will never stop producing them. But I have other pencils too, like Luminance and Holbeins. Those are my favorites as well. Do you mostly use only pencils when you are coloring or are you doing mixed media? Well, I'd say mostly pencils, yes. But I love using watercolors and then also pencils with them. I love mixing those two mediums. And sometimes for the backgrounds, I use Black Bosca, which can give a very striking result. And then on Black Bosca, you can add some embellishments if you want with pencils again. Sometimes I use markers. My favorite ones are Faber-Castell Pit Artist Brushes. And I love using them for detail, for shading, for depth and so on. So you can use them on top of colored pencils? Yes, you can use them on top of colored pencils. Then you need to wait for them to dry a little bit because of the glossy property of the surface that you're putting them on. But you can also use them beneath colored pencils. So you can use these markers first and then add with your colored pencils. Do you have any good tips for how to use the black Posca? Because I think you are right. They can be very effective and give this matte, really black, opaque background. But velvety. velvety yes. Exactly, velvety color. But sometimes I think it's hard to make it not strikey. And you have to shake it all the time and press it up and down. And, and uh, for me, I think it's hard to get a smooth background all over the page. It's always a problem. And I have problems with them as well. Uh, you basically need to have more different sizes of the tip. So I usually have three different sizes, very, very thin, and then some medium and a larger one. And first, I surround all the objects in the foreground with this thin Posca marker. And then I apply the medium one. And then if it's a larger space, then I go in with the larger tip. And I think that circular movements are the best for that. 
But you know, these papers that we usually color on in coloring books and if we print our illustrations, they usually damage the Posca tips. Yes. They become strangely dry and fluffy and then it's really a problem. I agree with you. They get destroyed. And sometimes they're, in some Posca markers, you can flip the tip. You can take it out and flip it. So you have a new tip again. But not all of them. If it's a bullet one, I think you can take it out and flip it. That's a great tip. But you need to be very careful where you do that because you will probably get everything dirty. True. So do it, I don't know, in the bathtub or somewhere. But do you have to do multiple layers or do you just do one one layer with the Posca? Just cover every every bit of paper with the Posca and you're done. But I know some people prefer to use acrylic paint or other things. Maybe because of these problems with the Posca pen, but you prefer the Posca still. They're much easier to use for me because if you have acrylic paints, then you need to use a brush and it's much difficult to go into small spaces with a brush. For example, if you have a look at my latest Tomic picture, that phoenix, there are so many tiny bits that I had to avoid with my Posca. How would you do that with acrylic and with a brush? I have no idea. And then if you apply acrylics, then the surface is quite glossy. And then you probably wouldn't be able to embellish it a lot with pencils, like some stars or something like that, that you want to add on the surface of your black surface, if you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. I'm looking at your page now. It's it's fantastic, like all your, all your pictures, but it's really, really gorgeous. Thank you. I think I spent about six hours on that black surface background. Yeah, a lot of Posca time. A lot of avoiding tiny little things. You are doing a lot of different kind of backgrounds, but which pages do you like to use these black Posca backgrounds for? Well, this one was special because the task was Firebird. So I had to create a Firebird and then I thought... Well, it has to be fiery, then maybe a black background will just make it pop. And that's why I did it. But if you scroll a little bit, you will see that I don't do many black backgrounds anymore. I used to do them much more in the past, especially if I want a night sky. So if it's a night sky, then black Posca is really good. Then you can add a lot on the surface if you want. There is this coloring of an illustration by Jennifer Zimmerman mm. from November last year. And the whole background behind this lady is black Bosca. And then I used some pan pastels. And then I used also white Bosca and a white pencil to create stars. It's fantastic. Is it steam panquette? Yeah. That's right. By Modern Coloring, Jennifer Zimmerman. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is Black Posca. And what colors have you used the pan pastel? Do you remember? 
the clouds? White, of course, uh, titanium white and some blue. I don't know the name exactly. And then uh, I added the stars with white pencil and dabbed a little white Posca in the middle of the stars. When you are approaching a new page, are you just starting and experimenting or do you have a plan? I usually have a plan, I have to admit that, and I usually do a lot of research. Uh, if I do a portrait, I look for photo references of people to see how sh shadows and light fall on the face, where the highlights should be, where the shadows should be, different kinds of lighting and so on, from the left side, the right side, <laughs> and so on. If I have to color a realistic animal, again, research time. If I have to color apples, again, <laughs> I find some reference photos. And those are like pieces of puzzle. Then I assemble the puzzle in my head, and I usually know what I want to do with the picture before I, before I start. But again, it rarely turns out the way I envision it in my head as it usually goes, because the pictures that we color usually live their own lives and they lead us somewhere else usually. But it's okay. It's good. It's a process. And we learn from it. And the backgrounds, do you do them first or last? It depends on the picture. I love doing them first to get rid of them usually. But if I'm not sure what the picture will, will look like, I leave them for later to see which color or which type of background I want. But I usually do them first because I know what I want. So you don't really like to do the backgrounds? I can say that. I, I like doing backgrounds. It was Because you said to get it over with. Yeah, sometimes it's tedious. <laughs> sometimes it's, if I do it only with pencils, that's a lot of work. But sometimes you can't do it in a different way. You have to do it with the pencils. For example, in this uh, Ellie picture from July 3rd, the circular portrait uh, from Mysteria with the raven. I had to do it with the pencils. Because, um, I don't know why. I just had a vision how it, sh what it should look like in the end. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it with any other medium. So I went in with the background first. And I was glad I did. Because later when I colored all these thistles and feathers and so on, there were so many details to take care of. It's a beautiful greenish background greenish yellowish those are prismas and the most beautiful green prismas ever probably and i uh used the same ones on those apples uh gabriella by chris chang ah do you remember which greens it was you said the most beautiful greens yeah i i just love them they're my shortest prismas let me see Spring green, then we have apple green and 
Prussian green and olive green. And then also some chartreuse and yellow chartreuse. So those were the ones that I used for the apples and for the background in Ellie's picture. And that raven, how did you achieve that? It's almost black-blue. Well, I studied ravens for hours before I did that, and I saw many, many photographs of them, and then I noticed that their feathers are almost iridescent-like. They're black, but they reflect a lot of blue. This raven was done mostly with indigo blue, black, uh, some lighter blues, and slate gray as well. So first I applied the lighter colors, and then I added shading with darker colors and with black. Do you blend in the end with something? I usually use a lighter colored pencil for blending. Sometimes, if it's really rough, then I use Prismacolor's colorless blending pencil. I achieve the best results with that one. But when you are using the the Prismacolor blender pencil, do you keep coloring after you have blended the colors together? You can do that. Yes, you can do that as well. You can add some more on top of that. I usually do that, actually, for more shading, because sometimes when you blend, then the contrasts tend to disappear. And then you can add some more contrast on top. Some people like to use the white pencil as blender. Do you use that too? Sometimes for very light surfaces, I can use the white one, but it usually tends to make everything washed out. So I avoid blending with the white pencil usually. And I use the lightest colored pencil of the mix that I used for something. For example, for the Raven, I used, what is it called? Just a second, I have them here. Cloudy No, powder blue. I use powder blue to blend for the beak and for the chest. You have done this skin that is so beautiful, so light and translucent. I'm not very good at that. How do you achieve this? Well, it's the Prismacolor skin tones, which are wonderful. I don't know the exact names of the colors now because they're so short <laughs> and the names have disappeared but it's easy to find them when you open the set you see the skin tones and I shaded with different kinds of darker pencils of course and I used quite a lot of beige I think and peach in this one to achieve the slightly sun-touched look on her nose and her cheeks. And then I also added some freckles to her face and to her chest because she is red-haired and I thought it would match the result. But I think it's hard when you are doing skin tones. I can totally see, like you said, the, you open the set and you see the skin tone colors if you want to do a light skin. But I think it's hard to know what to use for shadings. It is. Uh, 
I think it's called light peach, this one, that I usually use for shading. And I also used white in this case. Sorry, not for shading, for blending. But for shading, I usually have, what is it called, nectar. Mm. And let me see, it's clay rose. Yes. My my favorite for shading and i also use chocolate in the darkest places i'm not afraid to use darker pencils if you look at the ears below her hair they're quite dark and where the shadow falls below her hair and you usually have to work it quite a lot to achieve the result and don't be afraid to use a lot of shadow you can always lighten it if you want with lighter pencils. Just use a light hand and and keep working on it and you will get some 3D results eventually. Because when I'm doing faces and want to shadow, I never know, should I use grayish pencils or black, the black one? or Don't use black on the face. No, 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 never use black on the face. But brown tones, yes, certainly. If you go in with a gray, it should be a French gray. Okay. Because they are warm. And some people, some portraitists and colorists will tell you, why don't you do some cool tones? Like, I don't know, violet range, purple range, and so on. You can try that too, and you can achieve some stunning results. But I'm not brave enough. (laughs) So I stick to the warm tones for faces. Did you have any reference photo for this face? No, I actually have a big collection of photo references for faces. So I I usually find something that could help me, but I don't copy uh, a certain photograph to achieve a result. I just learn from them where I should shade, where I should put my highlights and so on. How long did it take for you to finish this page? I'm not sure. I think about three days. I don't know how many hours, really, because I get interrupted a lot and I don't measure time, really, (laughs) as long as it takes. Are you coloring one page at a time or do you have several work in progress at the same time? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a little bit of OCD. I, I just can't have more than one work in progress. <laughs> I tried to have more, but it was killing me. So I stopped it. <laughs> How You said you had hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of books and uh, also PDFs. How do you choose what to color next? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes for a color alone, maybe, then it's obvious. But it's so, so difficult to decide. I have a pile waiting for me here. All these things that I want to do during the summer now. But I, I have no idea what to do first. How much do you actually color in the books uh, compared to print and color? Rarely nowadays. Because some coloring books don't have the paper that I like. 
So I have the picture that I want to do scanned and printed. And since I have a lot of PDFs and pictures uh, that I bought on Etsy or somewhere else, then obviously I have them printed. I rarely color in books nowadays. I still do, but not very often. And the kind of paper that I like, I have only two that I use. If I want to use white, for example, because I have to or want to work with watercolors, then I use Fabriano Studio Watercolor Hot Pressed. That's my favorite white. And my favorite other type is Toned 10 by Strathmore. Other mixed media or uh, sketching paper. So if you want translucency and a very light effect with a lot of light in the picture, then probably you want to use white paper. If you want your portraits, especially portraits, to pop and to have a lot of contrast, then you will probably use Tone 10 because what you do on Tone 10 is very, very special. Then you realize why you have a white pencil in every set. And if you uh, color on toned 10, you can add more and more highlights whenever you want, which you can't use on the white paper. You can't do on the white paper. Where do you sit in color? <laughs> I don't have a desk, unfortunately. I only have a computer desk. And of course, it's not suitable for anything except my computer, my monitor. It's quite small. And I sit on my comfy chair and I color on my lap. lap. I suspend my picture on a board. I stick it with uh, masking tape. And then it's much easier to color on my lap. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that everything you are coloring is gorgeous and fantastic and magical. <laughs> Were you this good from start? No, no, not at all. I was so bad when I started. I I think I posted a comparison. My first picture that I, not one, not the first, but one of the first, the fox from Enchanted Forest and the mermaid from Anastasia's book. You can see the difference. I posted this in January when everybody was doing that. <laughs> so I did it too, and I was just shocked how bad my fox <laughs> looks. And, you know, you develop your skills with time if you color a lot, but there is always something new to learn. And that's what I love, learning new things. And I hope I can make my coloring better in the future. How do you learn? I watch a lot of tutorials on YouTube. It's mostly artists, not colorists, artists. And, uh, well, colorists are artists too, of course, but professional artists, I mean, and especially for portraits. I watch those a lot. And also I collect reference photographs because I think that you can learn a lot from nature if you observe things around you and some good photographs. You can learn where to shade, where to highlight and so on. 
You seem to have many friends in the community. How important is the coloring community for you? Oh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like home for me. I love my coloring friends and they mean the world to me. And uh, I'm very, very grateful that they are there and so supportive. I learn from all of them every single day and they are just amazing. There are so many wonderful artists among them. And you are an admin in three different Facebook coloring groups? Yes, the Tomislav Tomic group, then the Rita Berman group, and the Serendipity group, which is a general group, but only for illustrations that have something to do with nature. So how did that happen? Well, uh, when Tomislav announced his first book, then uh, some friends asked me if we could make a group for his illustrations. So we did. And then Rita Berman came along on Instagram and everybody fell in love with her illustrations. So again, my parents asked me what I thought of making a group for her illustrations. So we did that too. It's it's the same group of friends all the time, and we went on this journey together, so we stick together still. So these friends also asked me to participate in Serendipity, and uh, well, I didn't found the group, but I take part in admining the group. How often are you in contact with your coloring friends online? Is it every day? Every day. Every day, almost all day, <laughs> we communicate all the time. And it's wonderful. It's like having a very, very large family. Have you met in real life? Yes, I've met some of them in Paris three years ago. How was that? It was just, it was like a dream, like a dream come true. So this group of friends is still like my best friends. Did you color when you came together or just? Oh, no, we didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> we kept talking and talking and visiting places, going for walks in Paris and so on. We didn't, we didn't color together. It was only three days. So we had to use that time to get to know each other even better. You have actually done some own line art lately. Just one for now. How was that? I mean, my Joan, the warrior. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just sat one day and started drawing her. And that's how she came to be. I have no idea how it really happened. I just wanted to try if I could do it. It's not very good. I should practice more and I want to do it, but I need more time. I should practice every day, which I don't do. And it's horrible. How was it to color your own line art? It felt good. It felt like home because she was mine. So it felt right to color her. And how was it to see someone else color? Oh, it was just amazing. So many people colored her. And I couldn't believe what was happening. And I was so grateful to these people. They have created such beautiful pictures. They have transformed her. And I've seen so many different Jones in, in these pictures. 
it's such a wonderful and amazing feeling to see when somebody else colors your illustration. Do you think you will do more line art in the future? I definitely want to. I've started practicing a little bit yesterday, actually. Something similar, but again, different. But we'll see what happens. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> I think you must have gotten this question a lot. Can't you start a YouTube channel? Yeah, they they ask a lot, but I I don't have the technology or the time to make tutorials or color alongs and so on. I have a channel, but I, I just use it for browsing and commenting. So that's probably not going to happen. I don't have a space for that. I don't have technology. You need a mount for the camera and so on. I don't have that. And especially I don't have time when I work, you know, uh, a day job just prevents you from doing everything that you would like to. So, sorry, but that's not <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> we like your pages so, so much. Are you also happy with the result when you have finished the page? Um, I'm never really happy <laughs> with any of my pages. I know that I could do better and I want to do better. And that's why I keep doing it, because I want to learn and I want to improve. You know, I, I can't say that I'm unhappy, but I'm not exactly 100% happy with anything that I produce because I know I, I can do better and I want to do better. Is it important to you to make things look realistic? Yes, that's one of my goals, to make things look credible, even if it's fantasy. I want to create something that resonates with people. You think maybe this is a person. This person has feelings and emotions and has a certain mood in the picture. That's what I want to achieve. But for that, I need to do better. And I want to be bolder, in, especially in my portraits, to be able and to learn to use more shadow and more highlights and so on. Before the end, I will once again say a big thank you to my patrons who makes this podcast possible for me to do. You can also be a patron. Go to passionistacolorista.com and choose the support me link in the menu. Depending on which level you choose, you will get early access to the episodes, longer interviews almost every time, and at sometimes exclusive episodes. Now back to Morena and her best coloring tips. Well, if I'm qualified to, <laughs> to give any advice, I'd say um, keep experimenting. Don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid of your black pencil. If you need to create deeper colors and contrasts, uh, it actually depends on what you want to achieve with your coloring. But try new materials, um, try new techniques, and never be afraid to fail because you learn from everything. If you fail, you have learned something, and it's very valuable. So there is no such thing as failing. It's always about learning new things. That would be all. <laughs> 
Thank you so, so much, Morena, for this wonderful conversation. Thank you too. It was a pleasure. And thank you to everyone who has been listening. And goodbye. Goodbye.